Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2022. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them. And Della, she, her. And now let's go around and introduce our characters. Yeah, my, my character is Darla the Green, a barbarian rage person <laughs> who rages. <laughs> Sounds solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, my character is a half-elf monk um, named Rory, <laughs> and they are chaotic neutral. And just to be contrary to the expectations of the swords and sorcery genre, I made a gnome commoner who's going to be completely useless, but, um, you know, is along for the ride anyway. That's such an Amato move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know nobody else has, like, the experience of gaming with Amato for over a decade but that's such a model <laughs> i feel like as far back as like our old 18d second edition campaign that like we and Tarin and such were in mm-hmm. like when i was going into it, i was like okay what seems weak and that nobody takes it and let's try to make that work and so i made a you know psychometabolist psionesis which is terrible and, and mm-hmm. it's weak and <laughs> i was useless <laughs> mission accomplished I mean, yeah. later on, I was like, fine, I'll get some telepathic abilities, too, I guess. <laughs> you just, like, really don't want to have to do anything except die. I, I, I just don't want to do anything that's, like, clearly strong because that <laughs> seems like it, it's, you know, not sportsmanlike. I, I think Amato's mm. trying to be optimistic. He's trying to uplift these seemingly okay. weak things into, like, a, you know, greatness. <laughs> I guess right? so. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing you're like, I don't want it to be do anything strong, I'm like, but you don't have to do anything that's like a, a cat with one hit point you don't have to do that (laughs) i would play a cat with one hit point about a lit yes exactly (laughs) you would and then you'd get shot in an arrow with an arrow and you'd die um yeah i was trying to be the mark of the group by the way in case anyone couldn't tell got it (laughs) (laughs) well you're here so you've already failed yeah hey mark shows up for a bit (laughs) yeah Uh, for like one combat yeah, half, part, a, half a combat. Part of one combat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. So what we're talking about today is The Gamers by Dead Gentleman Productions. More or less, according to their website, they only created that name of the group after the success of The Gamers. It was like a, a group of filmmakers in the Seattle-Tacoma area, um, and they made a couple of movies called Demon Hunters and Demon Hunters Dead Camper Lake between 98 and 2000. And then in 2001, they shot this 45-minute featurette called The Gamers. And after that actually got really popular, implicitly unlike Demon Hunters, mm-hmm. um, got popular at game conventions and film festivals and such. Then they founded Dead Gentleman Productions LLC and released, you know, this, this kind of, uh, at least it more officially. I have so many questions. Like, were these people actually in college? They film in a dorm. Mm -hmm. They met while attending Pacific Lutheran University. So, Mm -hmm. but that was 96, 97, according to this, you know, website that I'm looking at. And this came out in 2000, 2001, they shot it. So, I mean, probably they still had access to it. Look, I was, I was the head of, you know, the general geekery club for a few years in college. But the point of that club existing was to have a student on campus who could reserve spaces for the local area LARP, which was mostly adults mm. who were no longer in college. <laughs> I occasionally tried doing other events. I think I did a viewing po- party for the gamers early on. No one came. <laughs> everyone only had, like, everyone had their gamer buddies who they played RPGs with. No one actually cared about, like, being part of a larger group. So as long, in other words, from what I know about college, 
as long as someone was still in college, yeah, they were probably still oh, just yeah. filming the specific Lutheran <laughs> University. Well, and that makes sense. You know, you make friends with, you know, someone who's younger than you and yeah, it mm-hmm. just keeps yeah. tearing up from there. Shared right? interest groups, yeah. Exactly. I handed off to someone else who could continue to reserve spaces. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm afraid Quest Interactive Productions is no longer active over in the Connecticut area. Anyway, um, where was I? Look, there's a lot of information. I hold in my hand the DVD of The Gamers, the original one. Apparently there's a director's cut now, which I have not seen. But I, I have this DVD in my hand and it's got, you know... Audio commentary from the writer, director, and editor, from the cast members, uh, a psychological analysis commentary track. What? It's got a, <laughs> a commentary track by Monty Cook. It's also got, you know, a making of the gamers thing. I, but it's the year 2022, okay? Mm-hmm. I could not bring myself to actually, like, open up the DVD player <laughs> and put the DVD in and, like, poke around on a menu when I could just click a link on the computer and watch it immediately. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I know nothing. In other words, <laughs> no, I did no homework. I couldn't bring myself to plug in my PlayStation just to play a DVD. I, no, I don't have the DVD, but <laughs> I have a question. Director's cut. This yes. is a small project. So what does mm. director's cut mean in that context? I would hope it's cutting out a little bit of the like, you know, scenes that go on a little bit too long. Right, but like, wouldn't the director already have quite a bit of say in the final oh, cut in I such see. a small project? You don't, you don't think it's the studio telling them to release a different <laughs> cut and that's why they need a director's cut? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I notice a writer and director and editor, but not producer. So yeah. you're mm-hmm. right. I don't know where uh, what, that... Why it's cut for time stuff that they put back in? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Or it's a tongue-in-cheek thing. To be fair, though, this project is bigger than, than one would think think Mm -hmm. i suppose like when you look at the credits they had several people on costumes um several people on a lot of other stuff i forget what what are movies made of uh Um, dreams that's what i was gonna say money (laughs) (laughs) probably both dreams and money (laughs) mostly money (laughs) but no it seemed like the size of the whole production it was, was about like community theater size right well that's something i want to talk about because della you proposed us talking about this Mm -hmm. and i was like Oh, yeah, that's a. I really want to talk about that, even though it's not fan fiction. It's not even a video. It's it's not a fan video in the sense of fan fiction of being based on a property. But you watch this and the fan projectness mm. of it just oozes out of every pore. It's like even though it's not specifically Dungeons and Dragons, they do the filing the serial numbers thing off, you know, like. It's a D&D fan film and just you you can tell that fan energy all over. Yeah. Yeah. I actually looked this up because when they show the character sheets in the beginning, there's GLE. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what what does that stand for? Is that a don't they mention thing? it as being guile at some point? Oh, so I yeah, I looked it up and they were like, yes, it stands for guile only in gamers. Right. Nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> and I think one of the sites, like it was a wiki or something, mentioned this was just so they didn't get sued for ripping <laughs> off D and D. Yeah, right. I mean, yes, or any other prominent. Though the thing is, there's a whole history of this in D and D, right? Of like people producing third party D and D stuff. As long as they don't mention D and D, they don't say 
it's compatible right. with D&D, but they still use the D&D rules. That's been going on as far back as like, know. you know, the 70s. That's why and I was so, surprised about it, but whatever. I, this was made, recorded in like, what, 95, you said? Uh, 2001, it was recorded. It was right? recorded. I'm wondering if that's around the time, that's a little bit before like the D20 system became like more open than it did now. I think this would have been just before the SRD. Yeah. I mm. think that might be right. So they, they would have been more cautious over copyright at this point. Right. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, I notice, you know, when they're they're referencing gaming books at the table in this movie. And like you can tell they look like gaming books of some kind. You mm -hmm. get a close look. But they've got like paper dust jackets over the yeah. cover. Like, you I, know, part of me wanted to stop and pause and enhance to try to find out what book it was. But then I don't realize I didn't <laughs> care that much. <laughs> Um, yeah, same, same. Probably yeah. just D&D books. Like. That's what it is. Yeah, the, whatever answer it is, it's going to be okay. <laughs> there was a odd amount of L5R references in there, too. Oh, were there? I don't think I caught them. Well, like, in the beginning, where they're all, like, just talking nerd shit, there was some oh, right. cross-talk about oh, that. Oh, right, and right. And in, in the credits, they credit something about L5R, and, like, franchise that does something L5R, best clan crab. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they were talking about. They're not wrong. I couldn't. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Heron, I think. Heron, is that Crane-affiliated minor clan or Crane, something? Crane, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, like, I have a soft spot for Crane just because I like I like the idea of just being the assholes at court who are, like, spreading rumors <laughs> about you. or And then, like, if you insult their honor, then, you know, they slap you across the face with a glove and challenge you to a duel. <laughs> and, like, that's that's basically their whole clan. Yeah. Um. Whereas the crab are actually like doing useful things like protecting the entire nation yeah. against the Shadowlands. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> L5R. <laughs> Plus crabs are just cool. Mm -hmm. Crabs are cool. Everything becomes crab eventually. Um, <laughs> should, should we talk about this? Should we should actually yeah, talk okay, about this? Let's talk about this. <laughs> the Gamers. It's a short film. It's a comedy film. The frame story is that some um, college guys are playing D&D in like their dorm basement it doesn't really look yeah, like it's that a it's a dorm but they call it a basement okay, okay. at one point oh well no don't they call it a basement in the context of the dungeon they're in like it's the basement of the no, dungeon no the, they the, also the student the oh. the one trying to study calls it a basement or something no oh. they call it a, a basement when they're talking about about mark yeah, about playing in your basement instead of going out and socializing. Oh, I thought that was like a... I think that's metaphorical basement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. But it was confusing enough at the time. Right. Um, <laughs> It seems like it's a, It's definitely not a dorm room, but it isn't a dorm. It's yeah. probably one of the common areas. But yeah, it's a room with a door. Mm -hmm. It's big enough for a big, big table. Enough. And is there a white... There's a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. So it must be like a study room or something. Oh, yeah. That'd be a great room for... D &D, there were little board. rooms like that in my dorm where like you yeah. reserve for like very for various purposes like that. Um anyway, that's that's the plot. They're they're playing DD. And I mean some things happen. There's a motto. They're not playing DD. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, I'm sorry. They're playing some fancy some role playing game. Fantasy tabletop role playing game where the stats include guile. I'm yes. still kind of heartbroken. That stands for Guile, because I read it as Glee. Glee. <laughs> <laughs> I love that being a stat. I want to track my character's Glee, for right? sure. It is funny, though. There's more stats. There's luck, too. Yeah. I mean, luck is common in a lot of games, but... Like, yeah. They do stamina instead of constitution. Right. Anyway. Um, Which makes more sense. And so... Well, maybe. Uh, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. <laughs> Moving on. 
So there is a plot to in a like really bare bones half assed D D campaign sort of sense where basically they're recruited to go fight this villain called the Shadow. That that was your cue. The Shadow. The shadow. <laughs> Thank you. We we didn't practice this. <laughs> and then separately, because the plot's kind of weak, like also the princess who is kidnapped by the shadow contacts them and recruits them a second time to fight the shadow. Mm-hmm. And they're like tracking their way across the map and they have a random encounter or two and then they fight the shadow. And like that's it's it's the dumbest, weakest D&D <laughs> plot you could imagine, which is part of the point. Yeah. Yes. I just want to point out before then they talk about the previous points of their story and they're all extremely cliched. It's really good. <laughs> I mean, right, where they, there's a part where they're trying to figure out what happened last time, and they're yeah. like, they keep flashing back to these overdramatic plot developments, which are always someone close to one of the PCs dying, and yeah. the person just refla- re- reacting in an overdramatic, melodramatic way. It's like, like, Mark the Red's blood brother died. died. No! Uh, when the character's sister died. Why? Yep. And I'm trying very hard <laughs> not to turn this conversation back to Revenge of the Sith, so let's move on. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Yeah, let's let's move on. I will say that like it's we shouldn't necessarily describe that as the plot of the movie because I feel like the plot, the plot of the movie, movie is people playing D&D. Yeah. Right. The plot of the game is that it's like y'all said an over exaggerated D&D campaign. That right. It's ridiculous. If there is <laughs> yeah, a truly ridiculous. That's the thing about this being fan fiction is like it might not technically be D&D in the movie. This is a D&D campaign. Right. Hands down. And yeah, but. So, and that's also about it being fanish is that some of the jokes are general comedy and some of they hit and sometimes they don't. And some of them are these renditions of such specific <laughs> sorts of experiences mm. that that's what made me want to like get, you know, show this to people like I did in high school, mm-hmm. right? Like in, in college, right? It's like, oh, you need to watch the gamers. It's not because as a whole it necessarily flows well or is like amazing all the time it's just like those little moments where you're like yes yes i i'm so happy to see this portrayed that you've never seen any media yeah and true especially at that time yeah at that time at that time D was a niche hobby and now we're in an era where like not only are the dna of D just like extended like tendrils through the most popular media of video games like video games have D all over them everywhere but also in the era of streaming and D and you know like yeah I, I finished watching this last night then went back to watching a critical role one shot <laughs> there's like 50 different youth graphic novels from you know yeah. re- relating to D playing in some way as this whole generation of us grew up and started making comics and such. It's just way all over yeah, the place. Making your own, making a comic about your D&D campaign is a whole subgenre. <laughs> <laughs> well, mostly about kids, like, you know, I mean, school on, on the internet and webcomics. Yeah, that, that too, yeah, that too. Yeah, it's like, um, I did write something down. Now, <laughs> D&D shows up in a lot of media nowadays, like mm-hmm. not just like webcomics and things, but like actual like Netflix shows and stuff. It's just so much more mainstream. Yeah, there's that so, uh, um, community episode where they played D&D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. that's older even. Yeah. Like now it's just very common. But I was say I was, my note was can role, like portraying like a traditional role-playing game be pastiche? But now I'm wondering, can it be fan fiction? Like is portraying a, a D&D game fan fiction here's 
my view. I think yes. And like I've got, you know, various little things I might want to, you know, get to sometime. Like I have um, we, we used to play D&D occasionally at Eric Holmes's house, who is the editor of like a basic D&D. And mm. I, I ended up with a copy of like what's basically his self-published. I want to write up my campaign little book. And like, that's really old. Right. But mm-hmm. but I, I'm getting off the topic. It's like when you're writing about D&D campaigns, even if you're filing off the serial number here. We think of D&D as being the default, you know, like role-playing game Mm -hmm. and like as a defining thing of fantasy. But there's so many incredibly specific assumptions that D&D brings. So that like if you're in a D&D context, you're drawing so heavily on this very, very specific stuff. You've got a party of four people and Mm -hmm. there's a fighter and there's a thief and there's a wizard and there's an elf. And just the fact that they have those kinds of defined roles... It only that didn't exist before D and D. Yeah, it's the fact that a D twenty, like just a picture of a D twenty, represents tabletop role playing. Absolutely, and that's mm. from D and D. D and D's the one that, like you know, Lou Zochi managed to sell his cool dice to to like you know use. Yeah, D, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm not that's not good D and D history, but like th- that's the game that used these polyhedral dice and made yeah. them popular, right? It, yeah, even if you're someone who still plays like diceless games or uh, powered by the apocalypse, you know your forum would have a D20 picture on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, true. And that's a good point. But it's also that D&D is in many ways the origin. I'm, I don't it know mm-hmm. like, if there were any other games out at that time who did that. So no, like, n- when you think about a D20 game, like, like it's fine. Like, yeah, using a D20 is representing the origin of tabletop role playing, even if you have a diceless game or a D6 based game or whatever you have, right? Mm-hmm. And I just mean like things like your character having hit points and, you know, the gag where the fighter is just able to tank damage like from a trap. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because he has like 80 more hit points. Like these assumptions, we we think of them now as being kind of general things because they're everywhere, but they're D&D things. Mm-hmm. They're D&D things that are now everywhere. And so yes. the fact just this kind of... um. Any work like this that's calling on so many D&D specific things, even if you don't say it's D&D, it's talking about D&D. It's in reaction to D&D. Yeah. It is a, it's a conversation with D&D just as much as a Sailor Moon fan fiction is, is a conversation about yeah, with is, Sailor Moon. Is, is Final, fact, Final Fantasy a D&D fan fiction? The original is, yeah. Yeah, no, sure. for sure. Wow. Um, <laughs> maybe not a fan fiction per se, but I like mean, kind of is. Callback. I, I don't know. I mean, I think we're opening it up to a lot of things when we open up the world of tabletop RP because, like, mm-hmm. I think I was sort of, I don't know, working around to my my answer my own question when I when I said everything's based on D and D. Well, we we talk but about this a that lot. Does open up the world a lot, right? Yeah. You yeah. say, is every tabletop game now a fan fiction of D and D or tabletop well, system? I mean, n- not to the same extent, right? But. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked about this kind of thing back with Apeat Theater and with Brian Clevenger and such. True. Yeah. Um, but uh, but just repeat it: the original Final Fantasy is a it's a fan game of D anD. d Anyway, uh, we should probably move on. <laughs> we should. Yes. I mean, we could really get into the weeds about what is fan fiction, and we have done that before. Yeah. Let's schedule that part two episodes. <laughs> I think we got it. We we, we nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I do not feel fulfilled, Della. <laughs> Anyway, so I think we're cheating just a little bit with the gamers because it does not purport to be specifically something, but I don't think we're cheating very much. And anyway, 
the, the main question is how do you talk about the gamers as a anything like what 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 do you two want to talk about before we devolve into just talking about little bits that we liked or didn't like <laughs> i was wondering when that was going to happen yeah i the basic story is just uh someone's trying to study first mm-hmm. off they get disrupted by noisy gamers they play a game of D um something meta happens at the end Right. That's like the story. And mm-hmm. you're right to mention the student who's trying to study because that's the only through line that's in terms of like, that's yeah. the framing. She shows up a couple of times and the the movie's good about it being when they're being exceptionally noisy. Mm-hmm. Like they do, right. they do legitimately keep forgetting to keep it down. And you like, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's one of those like realistic little touches. And so it's like genuinely annoying. I mean, this being a college campus, you'd think you just go to the library, but whatever. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I thought at first I thought it was late at night, but then Mark has time to like pop in and pop back out again because Mark is a girlfriend named Molly, which, by the way, when they first said that line, when I was rewatching it, I was like, Mark's on Molly. (laughs) No, no. Mark is dating Molly. Got it. Uh, Different character. (laughs) Because they had to they were coming up with the reason why he wasn't there. Now, I don't know. Should we say anything else? It's just because, like, the plot of their campaign isn't necessarily the plot of the movie, and I don't know. Doesn't need no. to To some extent, it, it feels has... like whenever they address the main, like, the actual plot of the campaign, it, to some extent, it feels like wasted time. Yeah, it takes away from what's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the scene when the princess contacts them or one of them is like narratively unnecessary, and there's like one gag, which is that everybody else forgets their characters are asleep, and so they. <laughs> You know, yeah. Oh, 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 that's something to talk about. Yeah. It keeps cutting back and forth between the players at the table. Right. And the world of the game. This is very important because Mm -hmm. that's one of the ways in which the gags work in a way that like I've never seen done otherwise is that they'll be describing something happening at the table and then it will cut over to that happening in the game world. And you'll see it in physical space. And you'll see it in physical space, which highlights the sheer absurdity of some of the things that happen in your typical dumbass D&D campaign. <laughs> I am, and, and sometimes they'll also have like the players talking over, like as a narration over what's happening in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at a river and one of the characters, Ambrose, has a phobia of water. And so there's a gag for one thing where they're all like staring at him, like waiting for him to remember that his character has an intense phobia of water. Yeah, that's just, just a scene where all the characters are just standing around bored. And, and, <laughs> And then once he does remember, he's like, ah, and like they have to drag him away. Like full on screaming. Yeah. And so their plan is to knock him out. And the thing is, this is the sort of dumb plan that <laughs> mm-hmm. would absolutely happen at D&D absolutely. campaign. But the humor comes from when you cut back to the world <laughs> and you see what's what's actually happening here, which is that Ambrose's character is standing there while the other characters come up and take turns trying to knock him out, just punching him in the face. Yeah. Asking his companions to punch him in the face enough to black out <laughs> and i'm cracking up just thinking about it because you you know it's kind of stupid when you're talking about it but when it's fully visualized it's just the dumbest thing in the world yeah, someone just standing there and people just in a, in a line punching and yeah. moving aside another person try right. until the uh rogar the barbarian finally punches him so hard that he kills him because right. you're a, rolling dice so hit. you can't yeah you crits him he dies yeah. whatever and it's a sur- surprise even though if you punch somebody in the head it might kill them <laughs> right and <laughs> like like in real life 
Right. So so just that visualization of someone standing there so their friends can punch them in the face until they're unconscious so they can be carried across a river. Like, those are the kinds of moments of brilliance that I feel like this format allows. Mm -hmm. And it's not always brilliant, but it has those little points that still cracked me up 20 years later watching this, like, on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that kind of leads a lot into what I was going to say, which is, like, there's so much about how these players are playing the game. My literal first note is everyone chaotic stupid. <laughs> That is my first note. I mean, that's a lot of parties, though. I mean, <laughs> um, but there is like there's an. No, they're not. And <laughs> I don't really like using that term either. But like in the gaming community, we know what it means. So yeah. at least. I, but it, my main point is that it kind of goes in and out. Like sometimes the, the GM is interjecting and use GM so I don't copyright infringe. Right. You know, <laughs> um, is interjecting at times that are appropriate and sometimes they're not appropriate. And sometimes the characters are standing around talking when probably the GM should be like, and now you're being attacked because you've been talking out of character for like two minutes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they are allowed to talk out of character and sometimes they aren't. But that's just the fluidity of the game, I guess. I, I suddenly want to compare this to Knights of the Dinner Table, right? Right. Where oh, Knights right. of the Dinner Table is another D&D based with the serial numbers filed off, though then it gets really complicated with Hackmaster 4th Edition. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, the point is, in that you have who an objective observer would consider to be an excellent DM who puts in lots of lots of effort and has like fleshed out worlds and plots and like puts in and puts in all this time and his campaign is derailed by dumb players. Yeah. In this, the DM's not very good either. No. Like, at all. Mm. And sometimes mm -hmm. he makes bad calls. Well, and sometimes he's just, like, not keeping things... Like, he's not even really trying very hard. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and, like, when I watched it initially, that didn't really register, but, like, looking back and having, like, watched, like, like enjoyed a whole bunch of, like, actual play shows and thinking about plots of campaigns, and just, mm -hmm. like, them talking about their previously on episodes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... These are all bad plots. <laughs> yeah. So everybody's kind of wallowing oh. down there in the gutter together. There's no voice of reason. Yeah. There's no like person. I, I feel like there is a single the office gym style look to camera by the DM when the players are doing their victory <laughs> dance at the end. Yeah. But like that's about the closest we have to the film positioning one player as being kind of like above the others. Yeah, like, like the GM definitely kind of feels like he's like long suffering. He's always reminding the characters like about things that they should have remembered. But at the same time, like y'all mentioned, he's not really doing his job. And also he must be running a module. Like there's just <laughs> this is just such a ridiculous plot. It's very I, generic. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Or maybe he's running his own. That's even worse. He came up with this story. Oh, no. But he looks like he's long suffering, but like he's just kind of walking them through this story. And you, you're always like, why do we care about the shadow? Like there's one point. Yeah. The princess shows up in the fire. Yeah. In the middle of the night. And they're just like, she's like, come save me. I'm in trouble. They characters don't know who this person is. Yeah. And then they just start walking south. And that's not the <laughs> only time that that happens. Yeah. But, that was just the DM needing to tell them where the shadow was, really. Yeah. That's part of the um, right. d, d experience, though, where everyone's just like. Where the story's not great, but people are just excited to be playing with each other anyways. Yeah. And I think that's also shown in the um, Ambrose 2 uh, Magellan yeah. <laughs> thing. One of the, one of the characters, 
Yeah, after they try to knock the mage out to get him across the river, they accidentally kill him. So they just said, oh, roll up a new character and we'll we'll introduce you later. <laughs> and then there's, like, I feel like the DM's intonation, if not his exact words, have stayed in my head ever since. Where he's like, now just remember, you've never met this guy before. The last guys you met tried to kill you. And you're standing in the ruins of an ancient evil castle. So just role play appropriately, okay? Yeah. And then the instant transition is they accept him instantly into the party, right? Well, it's like two and, lines of dialogue. Okay, okay. It's like, I see your party lacks a mage. I see you are a mage. Would you like to join us? Yes. Yes, I would. And, and then, then the GM just goes with it, even though yeah. he'd done the whole cautionary speech. Well, like, the other brilliant thing is how the new mage Magellan, after after they agreed having the party, just quietly slots himself into the marching order where the previous mage Ambrose was, mm -hmm. and then they keep walking. That's it. And like at the at the end, where they get to the shadow, the shadow's like, oh, my fated enemies, and Ambrose, Magellan, sorry, Magellan. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, they just, it's not even personal for the <laughs> for this villain. They just slotted in just to be the bad guy they, they fight. Right. Right. It's clearly like the GM also forgetting that this guy had rolled up a new character, even though they were trying to remind him yeah. of it or the whole party of it. Rather. And the fun visual gags they have with the DM forgetting about Mark the Red's char character being there. That's one of the most memorable oh, things yes. because it's, it's also extremely relatable and never <laughs> you've never seen it pictured before or since. No, there's a player who's not there. And because the player's not there, they keep forgetting his character is there. <laughs> and they have to keep reminding each other. And it's the most effective at the very, like, the very first time when they're all reading the letter, like, that gives the quest. And, you know, the letter says the names and, like, of, of all these heroes who are being called. And someone says, dude, don't forget Mark. And they was like, oh, yes, and Mark. And the camera pans over to show, <laughs> you know, the character Mark standing over to the side, away from everybody else, looking out into the distance heroically. <laughs> Because when the player's not there, the character just tends not to do anything. I don't, I don't think it's heroically. I think it's just like disassociating. <laughs> yes. Actually, my favorite scene with that. I, and also, here's the thing. Like, we get the impression that Mark, whose character, he, he's the, the player's name, Mark, and the character's name, Mark. He's not really committed. There's no. definitely those, those with his players. Girlfriend. Yeah. But my I favorite scene. Too, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure. He shows up for like two minutes. My favorite scene is when um, the bandits surround the party. And that's another scene where they go, oh, Mark's here too. Mark's here too. And he is not being surrounded by the bandits. <laughs> he is outside right. of the circle, staring away from yeah. everything that is happening. He's been not participating in the fight. Right? He's just completely static. Yeah. And that's actually, the fight goes on for a while. And then Mark, the real player life mark. player mark yes <laughs> actually shows up and he's like oh we're in a battle i'm gonna go into berserker rage and he does and he kills a bunch of people and then he pieces out like a minute later <laughs> and i feel like it's something where the kind of call uh, comes back around to the players as as people who do things in this movie mm -hmm. where the players are really pretty interchangeable and i just now articulated why in my head it's because the motivation of every player is I want my character to do something really badass. Exactly. They're, they're all kind of the same character. That's all anyone oh, yeah. is trying to do throughout the entire course of this movie. It's all flavors of the same thing. And I think it's, I don't know, I don't think it's a strength of the movie. I don't know if it's a weakness because I don't, 
I mean, I think the, the, the players could stand to be a little bit more individualized. They've just kind of got their different flavors of how they read lines mostly. Mm-hmm. But also the point is for this to be, again, just like a, a shitty D&D game full of players who are not engaged with the plot, who just want to do something cool, whether it's dumb or whether it's heroic or whether it's like, no matter what, they just want to do something awesome mm-hmm. at, at any given juncture. And so, I, I don't know. I, it is what it is. What do you two think about that, about the kind of interchangeability of the player characters? I think the franchise grows up as it progresses. That they had they add different type of character, like the, the first character that gets added to these sort of things, the voice of reason character. Mm-hmm. There is no voice of reason in this one. No. It's, it, I think it kind of feeds into a larger complaint of mine. Mm-hmm. The only... Like I, I'm going on presentation and pronouns here because yes. it's not 100% clear. But the female character is the woman who comes storming down the hall to interrupt the game, right? It's the only one. Well, she also appears as the princess who needs to be saved, mm-hmm. and, and that we can talk about the ending of this later. But the main <laughs> point is, they all just seem like these kind of like dude bro basement dwellers and i know that that's the point they're being they're trying to be tongue-in-cheek they're trying to be self-referential and make fun of themselves but there's this like very strong implication that like only men play D &D and you're you're absolutely right they play these types of characters it's sexist in multiple ways like if you can be sexist against men, I also think it is stereotyping yeah. of these male the, people. The progression of this is that next they add a female character, but they also need a voice of reason. So then the, it's the female voice of reason. Yeah, right. that's what that's what Knights of the Deer Table does, and it's not great either. No. Um, right. So of course these guys are all min-maxing or whatever they're doing, trying to be the best, because that's what men do. And obviously that's the joke, but it's a bit superficial. I mean, they even there is... A pretty bad one when they the, talk about Mark having yeah. a girlfriend. It's pretty cringy. Yeah. Yeah. It's saying like, yeah, the that's what gamers are, right? They're all white dudes who do not have dates um, in a basement. And yeah. it's like, well, even in 2002, I don't think that was quite fair. All white cishet dudes who want to have sex. It's, right. it's definitely not true. And like, yeah, the joke that they have around uh, Mark and his girlfriend is basically like, can you imagine what it's like to like go on, date, go on dates and like actually be with a woman and like have sex? I don't know if they actually say have this, sex. Say but the, the potential to have sex. The potential to have sex. And they're like, haha, we would never want that. And it's like, obviously they're being... The joke is supposed to be, yes, they do exactly want do, that. Right? That they're coping with. But yeah. the implication is that's all you need a woman for is mm-hmm. sex. Yeah. So it's, and I don't want to come down like too hard on this because most of it is pretty good. Yeah. But like when you get to that part, you're just like, oof. Yeah. Like you said, a motto cringy. Even then you just kind of had, I feel like you just kind of had to brace your teeth through that and be like okay let's yeah. move on they're, I, I never they're, laughed they're, at that line no they're, they're playing to their audience of cishet straight white men what's weird is like it's it's almost funny in the sense that like you kind of want to like not that part but like mm-hmm. you kind of want to sort of 
make fun of yourself for being the introverted D&D player. Yeah. But you don't want to do it in that sense of like, all I want to do is be an incel. Or, mm. or sorry, all I want to do is have sex, but <laughs> oh, I'm an incel. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's not how we are. So. <laughs> well, that's Never kind of, kind of what the joke is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely the, that direction. Yeah, before the term existed, that's what the joke is. Um, And yeah, like we said before, it's like not all D&D players... Thank you very much. Yeah. No. And and it never has been all D&D players or anything. No. Mm-hmm. But that's that was the culture. Yeah. I, I, right. Perceived I, culture. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a low point of the movie. Honestly, I hadn't seen this in a long time. I, coming back to it, I was like, how long till like unwatchably problematic? But I think I made it through the most of it. Like that, that was the low point, I yeah, think. I agree. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like in terms of watchability, I mean, most of my complaints are that the the humor timing is usually a little off. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's rather off. Yeah. And rarely is it on point. And I, you know, I'm not enough. I, I don't talk about humor very much in any medium, but just something about the pacing of the jokes it usually feels like they're kind of set up a little bit too leisurely. Did you two have that impression? Yeah, there's the their problems establishing stakes, I think. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have the improv background. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't want to think about that. I'm, I'm not a coach, but <laughs> yeah, it's because um, it's about relationship dynamics. Who's, you know, because because they're all on the same level. I think there, there's nobody who's who's higher in this. In, in any given situation or lower like technically it should be like the the gm is higher than the player because they get to decide things but even that's not really played with too much no it's not mm-hmm. yeah that's true makes me think of this is a bit tangential but we don't actually oh, i think Tori, we can't have any tangents here i'm sorry oh right i forgot point we were making a tangent free podcast all of a sudden i'll go I'm sorry, Tori. Please go on. No, uh, it's just that that reminds me of we don't actually, except maybe when they first sit down, see the GM's face until 22 minutes in. It's like almost half of the movie. And it's the way that the room is shot. And I actually really appreciate that because it like it gives this the GM this like kind of voice, yeah. but not like as if, you know, we're looking at the players and then we're comparing them to the scenes in which they exist. The GM's like more of a narrator for a long time. I think something that's interesting about that is like they're they're doing this as a like a low budget production. They they use that um device in order to narrate things that they don't have to or don't want to uh, show on screen. Mm-hmm. Like they talk about splattering some, somebody like a bunch of spaghetti. They ha- just show a close shot of people covered in red. They don't have to show the whole room, but he describes the whole room and it's like that's their way of being able to do that without having to set up all that special effects. I also noticed that during the major fight scene against bandits, the mage is conveniently dead. <gasps> Ooh, good the one. The only one who would need, you know, major special effects. They have like one or two spell effects for him in like in the whole movie. Right. Yeah. That's fair too. Yeah. I didn't think about that. That's good. Now, the, I, I do like the shot, Tori, of that, you know, it's kind of from behind the DM looking at the other players. Um, it does mean because of the way it's set up, the DM's voice is muffled throughout this whole, the whole movie. Thing. 
it bothers me. It bothered me then. It bothers me now. The sound design on that was terrible. Yeah, (laughs) you think they could have done more. Like they did so much. They did a lot. Yeah, the costumes and the. But I know the most of the settings were just wandering around Tacoma or whatever they were because you you can. It's pretty there, but. They did a lot. Like they went out to natural parks. They did all this costuming. They they did a lot. But now they're, they're um, amateur filmmakers. They were learning at this point. Yeah, no mm-hmm. doubt. Which includes uh, setting up shots, you know, cinematography, sound editing. They had pretty good action sequences, even sometimes. Well, they they had good um, support. Staff. I, I don't know what you call it. They they, they brought in <laughs> like um, it, it, uh, what's that group? Kind of larpers, uh, historical. Um, the reenactment. You're, you're thinking of either the SCA, oh. the oh. Society of Creative Anachronism. Yeah, and then or... they also credited their local LARP kingdoms in, in the credits. Well, the, the local kingdom is probably the local SCA kingdom. Yeah, yeah. And so they they have people that do stuff like this as a hobby that they were able to bring on who wanted to be on the project. So yeah, mm-hmm. there was some pretty good fight coordination for for a, a, a low budget thing. You yeah, know. I, I agree. <laughs> of the things that seem distinctly weak like in kind of their budgeting or like whatever resources they have the fights aren't really one of them i mean they're goofy yeah but they're supposed to be goofy they don't look terrible they like cut through two people at once <laughs> like that's what mm-hmm. dnd is <laughs> i i feel like back at the time i rolled my eyes at the camera view arrow that's shot at the end of the <laughs> bandit fight but now i actually appreciate the joke now oh that i kind God. of understand yeah. like the like the history of like you know evil dead like low budget horror like this is the view of the camera like chasing you yeah well i thought that was hilarious because <laughs> like at first i thought it was just gonna be the you know you just think it's gonna be the arrow like bam goes into the person right. but then it's like looking around and, right. it's stops personified and yeah stops and looks around the and chases behind a tree yeah <laughs> exactly yeah I thought that was funny. It was, the, the, he had, they had a know. couple of good visual gags, yeah. 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 Oh, they had several good visual yeah. gags. Yeah, like I the think. when they're all marching along and they said, the four of you, you mean the five? Oh, right, Mark. And the, they had Mark's actor hiding behind like a tree and just like slotted into the, <laughs> the, the line pretty seamlessly. Mm. Yeah. It was a good shot. But good visual gag. Oh, you know what? Speaking of visual gags, another one of my favorite ones is when um the first scene... Um, when they're in the bar and for some random reason, by the way, it's only when somebody decides to do like a like look around the bar that they realize their enemy is there and then their <laughs> enemy approaches them. Yeah. It's like, why would their enemy why does it take the party noticing the enemy for the enemy to come over? It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> the enemy comes over and then uh the the thief who's at the bar is setting up a ballista mm-hmm. to shoot him in the back and it just takes forever like the whole seat is paused behind him <laughs> while he sets up the entire ballista and i remember there's well, an exchange yeah. with the gm or, or no with maybe the party was like can he really do that can you do that um and yeah there's no rule that says a dog can't use a ballista <laughs> <laughs> pretty much what it boils down to and the part before that where he's like i sneak up behind him and i pull out my knife and the character pulls out a knife no, that's not a dad. I pull out my sword, puts it back, pulls out a sword, and all this is happening in the frozen time. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think yeah. the frozen time is a good gag. That never quite worked for me as a scene because as like, you know, a, a DM even back in the day, <laughs> it's like the gag of backstabbing someone with a ballista is a good gag conceptually. Mm-hmm. And I could see the DM being like, there's no rule that you can't backstab someone with a ballista, but you can't set up. A, why would he be able to set up a ballista? That just never quite 
And but that's the joke, I guess. <laughs> but it, and and also that's a bad DM because if you allow it once, they're gonna do it the rest every time. No, I every know. Time. I know. But like that <laughs> is the joke is that this is not a great. GM. Yeah. Like, well, and that, that's, not, that's not what this joke is supposed to be there. <laughs> it's not supposed to be, I can't believe the DM let this guy get away with it. It's supposed to be, is it? Maybe it is? I think it is because it could be. All I they think. do, because the guy goes, look at the rule book. GM looks at the rule book, says, well, there's nothing in the rules. Mm-hmm. I think that say, is the joke. You can just say no as a DM if, if it just <laughs> doesn't vibe with you the game. You should, <laughs> but the, this GM never does. Yeah. I like right? how they specifically put in like the newest version of D D in the beginning, like the rules are what you say they are. Mm. <laughs> you can disagree with the book, that's okay. Because <laughs> the they, rules, they I've always made my own yeah. rules. I don't need a book to tell me that. Well, some people do. <laughs> some people like see the book as like a religious doctrine, can't be right. edited, can't be changed. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was part of what the joke was about this whole thing. It's what but I it's what I got from it, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe not. Like maybe they're being literal. Like it's the same thing with the kind of casual misogyny or like weirdness of the incel characters. I like can't tell if they're just trying to make fun of themselves or they're like I don't know, trying to do something I don't understand. Yeah. But, like there's a, another clash between narrative and the rules later when they have one of the minor villains do a monologue and someone right. just keeps on trying to sh- shoot an arrow in their neck in the middle of the monologue it's like let me finish your surprise anyways you can't do anything fine then he's talking then in the middle of it gets an arrow in the neck and it's like okay you said it's done for three rounds that's 15 seconds i counted it out oh that <laughs> one was that, i thought that was that fair- drove me up a wall yeah though. i was like 15 <laughs> seconds in real life because that's not how that works. Well, yeah, the DM says, like, well, we spend most of that 15 seconds arguing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, that but... doesn't, that's not how it works. Well, <laughs> my, my complaint about that, I think it's a funny gag that he kept shooting the villain during, and, uh, you know, part of the joke there is also that his monologue is terrible. It's like yeah. dumb. There's like no information. It's just the DM, like, really wanted to say it. And also, it's supposed to be like a long suffering DM thing where your characters keep on trying to shut down your. your, your plots. But I was always kind of thrown the obvious comedic payoff for that would have been for the minor villain to finish his monologue and then immediately get an arrow through the throat. Exactly. And But that's not... Somehow they fi- they don't do that punchline. And I think that would have been the punchline. Th- that would have been fair, I think. I yeah. think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow he says it and then he manages to, like, not get shot. Oh, yeah. I don't know. A lot of these gags yeah. don't feel um, earned, I guess. Some of them, yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them just happen. They don't have a reason for them or justification. But, like, that's... This is a collection of gags. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that's fair because, like, I wrote down in my notes, like, it was like every gag that worked and didn't work. Yeah. But I there's mean, just as many that work oh, that yeah, don't. Absolutely. Yeah. They were just, they were trying so hard. Yeah. Because, like, this was kind of formative for us, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> as, like, a, a geek oh, group. Yeah, like, Mark the Red gets referenced forever. That, that, that was our term mm-hmm. for uh, just a player person that didn't show up was oh yeah they're they're mark the red right (laughs) entered our vocabulary and like i had forgotten how important it was until we got to that scene with the um, enemy in the bar and they just start speaking and i just said you bastards thought i was dead did not you well i'm not right like (laughs) but soon you will be yes i'm going to kill you dead you hear me D E D dead dead like I, I had that whole thing in my head it's like yeah me too i didn't even realize i, I knew that <laughs> <laughs> i had not had to access that part of my brain for many exactly. many years but it was yeah. still there d-e-d dead 
What is that accent like Swedish? <laughs> well, I think the joke is that it's a ter- whatever it is, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, right. yeah. it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, the GMs have a like a collection of terrible go-to accents they go to. Like every time there's a dwarf, they pull out a bad Scottish accent. Right. And I think oh, it's just as right. well that it's not distinctly enough any particular like European accent for it to like really be a, you know, this is well that it's not a clear racist caricature of anyone. <laughs> it's just like the DM's trying to do some kind of European accent. Oh, like, no, it's, it's yeah. clearly like Swedish or Scandinavian. It's yeah, something Scandinavian. Scandinavian. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Well, yeah. it's funny. I, I've seen some comedy things on uh, TikTok from DD where it's like, a, it's like a the it was, Swedish chef. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it, it was like just like a UK thing. And it's like a oh, you have a Scottish person at your table, and they're like, I want to talk to the dwarf. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to talk to the dwarf. Uh, you can't. <laughs> well, that's when you just say like, look, look, I'm not. This guy has a dwarfish accent. I'm not doing it. All right, what do you want? <laughs> all dwarves are Scottish. All wh- what is the character's name is Hunk. 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 Yeah. yeah. All hunks are Swedish. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, statistically, not wrong. <laughs> Actually, yeah, they're pretty tall and blonde. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, a particular brand of hunk, anyway. So that's fair. That was actually. <laughs> so I guess let's talk about the end of the movie. Okay. I feel like do we. we... Have to? Well, yeah, we kind of do. <laughs> we definitely should. I don't know if I understand it. Well, but that's let's the talk thing. About that's it. the thing about it. Yeah. So you have a final climactic showdown with the shadow, and it's weird because I feel like going up into the end, there's a lot of those jokes that don't land in a row. Mm-hmm. Like quite a few. I feel like. The gate at the entrance doesn't land. I feel like the traps don't land. I feel like most of the things in the fight don't land. Mm-hmm. Like them deciding that um, that Eric's that that Mark's character is going to go fight him, and then Mark getting killed off screen kind of works because that's kind of a joke about what happens when your character when you're not there well, for your they, character. They also set that up earlier. They, they said did. we should kill his character. He hasn't been here for the last three sessions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the point is they beat the shadow. And they're like, okay, but now what? We still haven't found the princess. They have to keep exploring. Right? Uh That's what happens? Yeah. They should have just been... Yeah. That should have been it. They they beat the shadow and they're triumphant and then that's the end of that. Well, but... (laughs) Right. I mean, I see how that's not a satisfying ending for a little movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, satisfying might be an interesting term to use here in the moment. Yeah. But they... They find a door... They were introduced to a new quest. Like the princess showed up on the fire. That was the whole reason they went south. I mean, I know part of it was the shadow, I mean, it, but it, like it, they it really like, needed to rescue the prince. They actually there was a whole thing. They defeated the shadow, and they were like, somebody was like, "Wait, what about the princess?" It took so, them too long yeah. to remember that. Yeah, it really <laughs> did. <laughs> but, but that's not surprising, no, honestly, no. considering. Well, I guess this all happened in one session, but. Yeah. It's like in the player's anyway. in the player's mind, fighting the shadow was the quest, but story wise, it's supposed to be saving the princess. Right, right. Um, incidentally, anytime anyone says the shadow, like people are like the shadow, the shadow, the shadow, the shadow. shadow. And the I feel shadow. like I feel like there was a missed joke where at some point the DM is describing the ruins and he talks about the shadows, and I wanted some player to like chime <laughs> and be like the shadow, and for them to be like, no, no, not. I I was just describing the shadows there. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh man. That'd be nice. Anyway. Uh, Not that it needed more gags, but... Well, that, but that would have been a quick one, which is something that sometimes this movie is lacking. That's yes. true. <laughs> sometimes it's the same gag over and over. 
Anyway. Okay. Anyway, so the thief they, is listening at the door. They find a secret door. They go down a long corridor and they find another closed door. The thief listens at the door and the demon's describing how they hear voices behind it. And like eventually the thief identifies as like five voices behind it. So mm-hmm. the, the characters are like, well, we need the element of surprise. So they bust in the door. Oh, and it keeps flashing back and forth, like... Which is something the movie has been doing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, cutting back and forth between the table and the action in the it's game just, world. It's going back and forth very more quickly. now. Yes. Yeah. And well, it's like... The, the, it's very clear that they're standing outside yeah. of a, a dorm door. The, the, the characters make... Roll bad, make a noise. The, the players say, we are keeping it down. And the DM says, you'll hear a raised voice from inside. And the characters panic. <laughs> right. And so they bust down the door. The The door leads to the room where the players are playing D&D and the characters murder all of the players. Mm-hmm. And the DM. Mm-hmm. I, the I, GM. I sorry, copyright. Yeah. I, I don't want to pull out improv coach thing, but everyone kills everyone at the end is a terrible way to end. Yeah, it. that's the thing. <laughs> Super is weird. That, yeah. Like I, I appreciate, I actually kind of appreciate that there's absolutely no buildup or foreshadowing <laughs> for this whatsoever in the movie. There's just nothing earlier in the movie to suggest that this might be where it, it ends. Do you appreciate that? I kind <laughs> of do. But the fact that what happens is they just kill the, the players, it's not my favorite. Because I feel like the things that work for me in that scene mm-hmm. is not the murder, and it's mm-hmm. not the scene where the student who's trying to study busts in and is really annoyed at them again and just thinks that the characters are the players because they look the same and like then stomps back off to her room. It kind and, of and, falls and flat. Like they call her the princess, and then she says no and walks away. And oh right, yeah, because she plays the the she the same actress plays the princess. What what kind of works for me are the characters finding their character sheets. And I, I kind of like the line where, like, one of them picks it up and is like, my entire life story is on here, which is hilarious because it's a, it's a sheet of paper with only, like, a few words on it. Yeah. And so right. I, I kind of appreciate the meta-ness of that. Yeah. And then also Rothgar or whatever his name Rogar. is, the fighter. Rogar, the fighter, being like, my intelligence is four? Outrageous. Give me that pen. Like, like <laughs> yeah. he's going like to write a one it. next to the four or something and make it a 14. He's going to turn the four into a nine, I think. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I, like, I, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. But those are two little jokes that are kind of funny in the middle of a very weird ending. I think at that point you're looking for something funny so it stands think, out more. <laughs> I think maybe I am. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, this ending. So I can't really envision a different ending, maybe because I've just seen this since I was young or whatever. Well, also but... because because given the, the no plot, given the plot is some people play D&D. Yeah. What's an appropriate ending what do for you that do? plot? Yeah. Right? But it just, like, a motto, I think you you made it so clear to me, is that it's not foreshadowed whatsoever. It's not earned. No. There's nothing. No. It's completely no. out of nowhere. It doesn't mean anything to have this sort of ending. Like, sure, it's a twist. Like, I think this is what I was thinking the whole time. It's like, it's a twist, but it's a twist that doesn't, it just doesn't need to happen. It's an interesting twist. It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't resolve it doesn't, any it character arcs. It yeah. doesn't They'd have to set it up any... earlier. Right. I think, I mean, I think it doesn't mean anything. Like, I keep feeling like there's a piece it I missed. It feels like it should mean something, but it yeah. doesn't. And, like, what, what they do set up with the students studying and knocking, they don't resolve that. That should have been the, the twist and the resolution should have done something with their framing storyline. Well, yeah, because the the... Yeah, the student is the princess, and she's the one who called to them. So you think about it, and you're like, does she call to them because, 
like it's like a it's a joke, right? Right. Like she called them because these players are being noisy. So it manifested the characters to come and kill the players. But now the characters, then she comes in and she's annoyed. And the characters are the ones being noisy. Right. So that that's where it breaks down. You're yeah. right that that almost could have I don't know about worked in like a, a larger holistic sense, but like that would have been a through line if then yes. they fulfilled their quest by saving the princess from the noise that is keeping her from studying. Like right. at least that's a a sentence that hangs together in a certain sense. Yeah, at least that, that, that'd be a payoff what they set up in the beginning. So right. they could have, right? The characters, I mean, look, I'm not saying this is a good ending, but it no. at least <laughs> makes more sense. Yeah. Is the, the player, the characters come in kill the players and the, and, and the gm we might as well just mention. and the gm right and the oh yeah of course um and then like sit down and do something quietly together <laughs> for a like significant elapsed period of time but in at order... which point the character who is the dorm mate who is also the princess kind of comes in and is like thank you for keeping it down or something, yeah, like, something that. like that but like it... Some connection, any connection. I don't think that's good. No, I still think it's terrible. <laughs> but some connection. In order for that to make sense, though, the characters would have to act different than the players somehow, which they don't. Because mm. the other half of this joke is that they look the the characters look exactly like the players, which makes sense because these characters are just the avatars of their players. Because yeah. that's everything about this group, right? There's no depth in the role playing. There's nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so th these characters just are the players. Right, but th that's my point is, well, except the one that has elf ears, but um, <laughs> no, that they would replace the players as quieter doormates. But they wouldn't be quieter. They're the exact same people. Oh, they're the same people. Oh, that's yeah. Oh, no, no. Okay, you're right. Sorry, I kind of missed that point. I was focusing on the look <laughs> the same rather yeah. than they are. This. You're actually correct. Because like, they are the same characters. You're right. I don't know. I, I mean, was just reaching for something, y'all. No, there'd have to be something. Yeah, no, that that'd be good, but you'd have to distinguish the characters from the player somehow. They, or they could. Right. I guess they could have sat down and started playing an RPG. That's like, that's that's no, no better. Never mind. No, that's Wouldn't more convoluted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just don't know why this ending so, happened. The thing is, the movie comes to an end, mm -hmm. and okay. it kind of goes out with a whimper. And like I said, I, I feel like half of that is also just that. The latter part of the movie is not the best parts of the movie in any way. No. Like, not just the ending, but a lot of things leading up to yeah, the Yeah, a lot of the best gags are in the middle. Yeah. Sometimes at the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But that that is what it is. That is The Gamers by Dead Gentleman Productions and a bunch of people. Have you watched any of the uh, sequels? You know what? I haven't. And I didn't even realize there was a second sequel. And it's just... Dude, there's like a TV series, too. There's like three movies and a series and... This is a franchise. Okay, so here's you've seen mm -hmm. the second one, it sounds like. I think so. It has to do with a lot of dead bards. Okay. <laughs> do they Well, bards do die often, so <laughs> do they follow up from the like is it a plot continuation of the first? I think they hand wave. I, I, good. Or, I mean Yeah, I, I don't even think they they lampshade that they hand wave it away and they just like have some of the same actors, I think, but they're all different people. I think that's fair because this is absolutely a thing where if you have an audience who liked the gamers, mm -hmm. they want to see more of similar, but they don't need to see, okay, but what happened to those yeah. characters in the real world after that? That's not what they're there and for. I don't remember a weird meta ending. I think it was a better hung together story. Mm -hmm. And the only gag I remember from it was um, 
this is a guy who plays a bard and bard just ends up constantly dying and he just re-rolls a new one mm-hmm. so at the end they're like they, they weaponize it by just building like a barricade of dead bards <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's just a sequence of him jumping oh. across the screen in different outfits mm. i've seen that so yeah there's I completely forgot. I've seen that. Yeah, that's like that's gamers too. I right love now. that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that gamers too, or is that just a short video? I that's definitely the gamers seen too. Too apparently. Yeah. All right. Reminds me of the KODT gag where they're playing cattle punk and um, they're determined to rob this bank in in you know a small town and it, it keeps failing horribly and they keep dying and eventually their plan is like, well, look, there's only like a hundred people in this town. We'll wear them down eventually. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's that idea. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, because there's just an infinite number of drifters coming into town ready to rob the bank. Right. Anyway. Okay. All right. Can we just put one last... We'll just come back around to the idea. Is this fan fiction? Oh, man. So, Della. Well, come on. Because so, like, the definition of fan fiction I've come up with is what? Transformative, transgressive, and by or for fandom. I think we have to preface this first by, like, I mentioned earlier, do we consider D&D stuff fan well, I, I I say we we apply that metric. That's what it is. It's um okay. It is. They, they go out of the way not to be transgressive legally, right? Specifically, legally speaking, mm, the fact mm. that they so you know it's like when you have something, it's like this is Star Wars. I it, don't know. In in anime, they go to Whack Donalds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's also harder to define it when it's a, a system, like a role play system, not a singular plot. Well, you say system, but so many of the system elements of D&D translate mm. into things about the world. Mm. Um, like, it is True. a D&D world, but I, I, I feel like I have to come down to, it's not actually fan fiction. It's a fan film in the fact that it's like a, it is a D&D fan film, but it's not in the sense that like, Troops was a Star Wars fan film, or you know, like uh right, what else did we watch? Right. I don't know. Uh Daikon. <laughs> Daikon is a is a fan animation like with characters from other animation, mm-hmm. right? It's not fan fiction in that sense. But I I feel like what draws me to it is both the fan energy mm-hmm. and you mentioned the transformativeness. Mm-hmm. And I think the greatest strength of this is taking a format of tabletop role playing. And by doing and turning it into a video cutting back and forth, it's just such a interesting transformation. Yes. And I feel like they do gags with it that are really good gags. Unlike some other things, like I feel like Games Master, Games Master, What Have You Done is a similar film that was contemporary. I I don't like it. I don't think it's funny. Yeah. And Um, I think it's safe to say this thing oozes fan energy. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. It's like this was only made because the people behind it were fans of tabletop role playing D and D specifically, mm-hmm. and they had mm. oh they were like oh we got to do this like we've got such great ideas for these jokes about it. Two fans from fans. Does that mean that like a part of what we should add to our definition of fanfic is? I don't know. I don't know how to phrase it. That energy. Well, that, that passion. I feel like Tori. That was always. That was always part of the discussion. Is like kind of do would a fan community recognize it as fan yeah. fiction right that's why i, I well, do the by right. fans or for fans yeah i know but we always we had a back and forth about this before <laughs> it's just i guess so yeah no I, I think that's fair it's like 
I'm I'm a tabletop role player. Haven't been doing it very much for years, but like that's still kind of an identity part, right? Identity marker. Yeah. And like I'd say this is a fan. This is a role playing fan film. Like oh, that's that's sure. what I recognize it as. Well, especially D and D. Yeah. I mean, not D and D because I mean, but it's you know, know it's D and D. It's a D and D film. So like like that's what it feels like to me as a member of the community. Honorary fan fiction. Honorary fan fiction. Okay. I think so. Is all fan fiction honorary? Um, well, as, as in, like, they, they don't get the official certificate, but yeah, pretty much. Right. <laughs> Speaking of which, I'm going to need to print out some more of those official fan fiction certificates yeah. for anyone who wants to, like, check in with us and make sure that what they're writing is fan fiction. Man, it's there's so oh, much. But... We're running out of ink. <laughs> there is, well, you know, there's the $10 application fee and $5 processing fee. Well, I, I think um, if you have to pay mm. for it, it's not fan fiction anymore. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. You just have to pay to certify your fan right. fiction. The fan fiction is free. The no, certification costs. No, fan fiction is like inherently anti-capitalist. We can't charge for it. <laughs> Ooh, fan fiction is inherently anti-capitalist. Let's add that to the definition. I mean, I think that's not wrong. Ooh. I think, well, I think that, I think honestly, that is an expanded part of the transgressive. The word is transgressive. Yeah. Right? And that's basically mm. saying like, Look, someone owns the rights to this, but we're ignoring that. Actually, that's fair. That is basically the main part of transgressive, honestly. Yeah, because, because I don't mean like Shock Valley <laughs> No, 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 no. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't know why I was... So yeah, fan fiction is inherently anti-capitalist. <laughs> Agreed. So is the fact that they make it and sell it as a movie kind of why it's not fully fledged fan fiction? No, that's not why. Okay. Because originally it was just a fan thing shown Actually, at like fan conventions, right? Same as um, same as Daikon, mm-hmm. right? It's like just because there was a demand for it, and eventually they were like, "Look, when there's a demand for it, then you have to figure out how you're distributing it." Right. And this was pre-internet; you couldn't just throw it on the internet and be like, "Hey, watch it." So, like, yeah, you have to have DVD print DVDs printed. If you're having DVDs printed, you need to, mm-hmm. you know, recoup the costs. And if you are a group of amateur film creators who want to continue to create films. Maybe you want to get a little bit of money from that too. Well, they started a whole production yeah. company and made a lot of movies and series, yeah. and it's a franchise. Yeah. yeah, and like, yeah, let's walk it back. It is, it is transgressive in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so not know, in the anti-capitalist sense because <laughs> I guess they did end up making money. But well, maybe you know not from what? This. But like, now that I'm thinking about it. When they made this, they were not expecting it to be popular and to be able to make a right. profit yeah. off they it. They weren't expecting They were just expecting exactly. to show it to fans. Yeah. Well, I also think like the fact that they can sell it means that they filed off the serial numbers, which mm-hmm. means that they didn't talk specifically about those copyrights, which is not transgressive. Uh, that's true. Yeah, that, that is a good point. Um, unlike, unlike the Daikon people who were like, whoops, we can't fully monetize this because... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's like philosophically. It's like practically. Oh wow! Like yeah. practically, if it is that franchise, they can't sell it. That's so, true. Fan fiction is anti-capitalist by like, by like philosophy and by necessity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just it seems so semantic in a way. But like, Del, you mentioned like the episode of Community where they play D and D. It's like yeah, but that's not fan fiction. That, that had to but... been sanctioned. They had to get the license for it at some point. Right, but like now. Oh, you know what? I'm getting too into the weeds. Let's let's just wrap you know up what? this. Okay. So we'll never know. We'll <laughs> never know what fan fiction is. One we'll last just comment. pretend that we do. One last comment. I've always... Uh, one last comment on this tangent, I should say. Okay. I've always considered things based on works in the public domain, they're still fan fiction. And then I just realized the public domain is anti-capitalist. <laughs> Thank you. 
let us um let us wrap this up and <laughs> and scene. Wait, is all all Christmas Carol movies fan fiction then? Yep. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I don't think any came out when Dickens was still like the owner of the um the text. Probably <laughs> still alive. Yeah. Seems unlikely. No, no movies came out when Dickens was well, still alive. There might have been contemporary plays and stuff, probably. Oh yeah. All right. Okay, okay. So the gamers. <laughs> What do we want to complain about or, you know, in brief, if we already did, before we end on praise? I think I or someone have said most of my issues at some point. I agree. My main issues are uh, sexism, the the pacing of a lot of the jokes, mm -hmm. and the fact that the DMs just not properly mic'd bugs the hell out of me. Seriously. Um, that's... The main narrator needs to be... Okay. Okay. They could have used a, a VO pass, yeah. <laughs> Anything to add, Tori? Not really. I mean, like, I, I think the same thing y'all both said and, <laughs> like, everything I said prior. So let's move on to praise. All right. Now, we've also talked about these two. But for me, the whole movie is about the the times when dumb... D I'm, I'm using the word dumb. I probably shouldn't be. Just, like, inane, like ridiculous D&D &D actions by players are like you see that visually portrayed mm -hmm. in a real world setting to highlight just how absurd and ridiculous and ill thought out a lot of D&D &D action is. Yeah. That's what I like about it the most. You end up coming away with a lot of these gags and moments that become mostly what you remember about the, the, the movie. Right. Which is not a bad thing. It means like they got mm -hmm. they got a lot of memorable things down. Yeah, I forgot about that. Like the too many action shots of them walking and just remembered you bastards. Right. <laughs> was this before Fellowship of the Ring? Yeah, two thousand. Well, contemporary, one? right? Contemporary. Yeah. Just shots uh, of fantasy people walking across landscapes. Filmed in two thousand one, two thousand two. Filmed two thousand one. Filmed in two thousand one, right? Released, right? I thought it was two thousand. Am I wrong? But yeah, Lord of the Rings was about two thousand. Uh, it was about the same time. It was 2001, I think. Um, what is time, though? It is time. <laughs> Actually, I can actually look this up like a reasonable human. Fellowship of the Ring, the movie, was released... 2001. 2001. Okay. Okay. That doesn't tell me much. Well, then when was this filmed? 2001. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I... Yeah, questions. Okay, whatever, whatever. So they, they could have seen the movie. Yeah. And a cowboy could have but, met, met a samurai because okay, they're both okay. this in the same time in history. <laughs> and, 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 I know, <laughs> and I know people walking across a landscape was not invented by Fellowship of the Ring. I just mean that, like, if you if you saw the Fellowship of the Ring as a geek, that would be fresh in your mind. Yeah. Where were we? Tori praise? Praise Tori? <laughs> praise Tori. Praise be to Tori. <laughs> Oh dear, I I feel <laughs> I've gotten distracted, but no, I don't know. I mean, this is like I do not know exactly how this was made, but I do think it's all pretty impressive. Like I know I already said this, but like the fight choreography, the costuming, like all of it for such a small production mm -hmm. is really excellent. Mm -hmm. And they even have like they do have some special effects, like they have a uh, the woman and the princess appearing in the fire and yeah and some other stuff like that they have a poly and, polymorph spell i think yeah. 
and how the camera follows the arrow. Like, I'm not sure exactly how they did that. Like, uh, I think it's like somewhat... tape something to the camera and then walk around with the camera. Isn't that all you do? I guess so. But like, they put a lot of effort into it yeah. is my point. It's like, oh, yeah. Those things um, worked. They spent a lot of time on those features and those scene transitions. This was very intentional and effortful. That's true. And I really respect that. And it, if they spent more effort on some things than and than others, and like more, if the effort wasn't allocated yeah. the way I think would have been optimal, you can still see there was a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. The cinematography was really effortful. It's, yeah, it's just some of the plot points were like, meh, but like, they spent a lot of time filming this, especially considering their production team is like 20 people. Yeah. So. I'm going to have to round back on the whole fan fiction thing. The fact that they did it is amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. For sure. Like completed a whole amateur production and made it like coherent enough to be watched. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, oh, that's the other thing, too. Um, The character who is an elf, mm -hmm. he has a much shorter beard when he is playing the elf than when he is in his player character role. Is that so, right? So they must have like right. done that really intentionally, like filmed only those scenes. Right. Before he I cut guess his you're beard. Right. That's, yeah. That's very... Um... It's just like everything's so intentional, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> so I, I feel like that kind of isn't necessary because no one of else looks not. at all different at all and i wouldn't expect them to they all should have been a little bit different by the way yeah i do just want to say more bearded elves please hmm. elves can't grow beards it's a rule i, I, <laughs> I know right? i, I know <laughs> th th that's a tannis like thing in Dragonlance, right it's like it's it half is. elven he, he gets a beard but the thing is the beard looks good on him like we need more you know what we need more ginger elves with beards i guess is what i'm getting at we hmm. need more tannis is that is that uh, thing i mean tannis I did um, sort of have a crush on him when I read those look, stories. But Tannis as a character, do not care. But he looks good. <laughs> he does look good. He looks good. He he rocks what, that look he has going He's on. He's a hottie. Yeah. And on that note, that <laughs> brings us to the conclusion of The Gamers. Mm -hmm. This has been episode 145 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective. The Gamers by Dead Gentleman Productions, by a whole lot of people who put in a whole lot of effort. You can find it various places online, and including the a director's cut DVD and such. But I, I think we can point you to a streaming copy that, um, you know, I, I watched a streaming copy because I could not be bothered to put a DVD in a DVD player. Oh, that, that YouTube link? Yeah, YouTube link, yeah. Yeah, Dead Gentleman Productions put a little note in there saying, this is fine, but just credit us, please. So that's... Oh, uh... No, no, but, but we made it, though. Right? <laughs> so, sorry if we've been, like... No, it's just... Normally, I don't tell people the pirate stuff I watch. <laughs> but this one's okay, because the creators know about it. <laughs> okay. Darn, darn. I, I was, for a moment, hoping maybe we could take credit for this. No. <laughs> no, we can't take credit for anything. <laughs> we are just a bunch of yahoos. This podcast is the epitome of those who can do... Those who can't <laughs> make a podcast talking about it. Mm-hmm. Also, I teach. <laughs> the intro song is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Our podcast is edited by Della Davis, pulling double duty as a 
um, player who's doing a podcast and a character that edits a podcast. You, you never think about these before they happen, do you? <laughs> um, I kind of thought it would all fall into place there when I was saying it. I appreciate your confidence. <laughs> You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, you can contact us on Twitter at retrofanfic retrospective or send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. I'm Amato. I'm Rory the Half-Elf Monk. I'm the Shadow. The Shadow. The Shadow. We're just three Earth life forms trying not to be killed by our alter egos. <laughs> Until next time, take care. Nice work, you. <laughs> we did it. You, you inspired the shadow prophet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we weren't really doing that before. No. Oh, well. <laughs>